Welcome to the Real Estate Fight Club, a podcast for agents where you'll witness a battle of opinions about topics affecting your real estate business. There are many ways for agents to achieve success. The secret is to find which approach will work for you. Now, always in your corner, here are your hosts, Jen Mertland and Monica Weekly. You said you wanted more leads and you want them calling you. Well, we found an automated lead engine system called Refocus CRM. So this system will get buyers and sellers calling you directly. All you have to do is answer the phone, but they not only help with buyer and seller leads calling you, Refocus CRM also helps with your website, automated templates to your sphere and incoming leads, social media management and ad campaigns, online reputation management and weekly masterminds. With packages starting at just $197 a month, go to refocuscrm.com slash fight club to schedule a free demo. Hello and welcome to Real Estate Fight Club. This is a series called Better Call Saul, where we discuss what is currently possible that if it were impossible, or what is currently impossible that if it were possible, would fundamentally change the way we do business as real estate agents. On today's episode, we'll be talking about what if there was no guaranteed compensation to the buyer's agent? Ooh, big topic. Here with me today is my co-host, Rachel Real, broker owner of Rachel Real Estate in Chicago. She has been an agent for 18 years and has been on the Pro Standards Committee for eight of those years, currently serving as the three times past chair, and she is passionately nerdy about all things real estate. Even nerdier is. <laughs> Even nerdier is than me would be Saul Klein. Saul is the godfather of real estate technology. He's been licensed to sell real estate for over 47 years. He was an original team member of Realtor.com and the creator of NAR's technology certification program known as ePro. Saul was personally responsible for the first 500,000 listings to be displayed to the public on Realtor.com, spearheading listing syndication, which is the distribution of your listings to the consumer over the internet. Welcome, Saul, and let's dive into today's topic, which is, Jen, repeat your, your the, what is our topic again today? What if there was no guarantee of compensation to the buyer's agent. But so let's let's give some context here. Break, why break there, it down a little bit. Yeah. yeah, like why is there guaranteed like guaranteed compensation now? What what's kind of like give us a short history of of that. Well, so so the reason we're talking about this again is because, again. <laughs> right, is because of this litigation. It's a case molar versus the National Association of Realtors and four of the four or five of the major franchises and uh, MLSs in the country. And so there's this case that is challenging a clause in the MLS guidelines promulgated by the National Association of Realtors that we lovingly refer to as the broker compensation clause. And so if you sell real estate and you're a member of a multiple listing service, then you typically don't worry about getting paid on the buyer side because you know there's this with a pillar of MLS and it has become this since the early 90s where the MLS, one of the things it does, it's an offer of compensation and it's a great tool that allows competitors to cooperate to create a robust marketplace, the envy of the world. And so it's True. worked since the 90s where if I find a buyer, you go out and you work hard and you prospect and you get a listing and I'm out and I meet somebody that wants to buy a property, 
I can, without a commitment from them, I can get an offer, bring that offer to the listing agent and the seller. And if there's a transaction that's completed, I'm going to get paid in that transaction. And I can represent the buyer as a fiduciary while doing that. And what allows that is the structure of the MLS, which is a broker offer of compensation. It's being challenged in court. It's just been this case, this Moeller case has just been certified for class action status. And that's a big deal. If you estimated damages are in, for some people are estimating in the hundreds of billions of dollars. Well, I'm sure, depending on how far you go back. Five years, they're saying right. five years, 2014, 2015 to 2020, something like that. All the right. transactions and a portion of the commissions, and it could total in the, let's just say, multi-billions of dollars. They're saying it's because as the buyer, I paid the buyer agent commission through my offer, but I was not able to negotiate it. That's like the crux well, of- So the plaintiffs in the case are sellers. Are sellers, okay. exactly. And the sellers say, you know what, when the listing agent took the listing- they made they said we're going to charge i'm just going to make this up 5% and we're going to split that with the pe- person who brings in the offer now that person that brings in the offer isn't going to represent you seller as a fiduciary but we're going to pay them that's going to be the way that this works and right. we're going to pay them part. to negotiate against you well, we're going to pay them. We didn't probably tell them we're going to pay them to negotiate. No, but in, in, in reality, I think that's probably part of what spurred well, some of this, too, is they realized right. that they didn't get an opportunity to to say, well, wait a minute, I don't want to pay them X. I want to so, pay them Y. Yeah. So to, and to see from a, a seller's position, because when I talked to a lot of realtors, number one, don't even understand this, don't know about this. No. And when you tell them about it, they'll say, well, that'll never happen. Poo poo that. Right. It's and happening. These, Yet here we are. And, and, <laughs> and these, folks don't, these people don't have a clue. Isn't it? It's the internet, right? People are not always right, but never in doubt. And so well, you've got, we've right. got these folks and they're in the groups and they're, and they don't know they're digging their own grave, right? On, in these <laughs> Facebook groups and online, they're saying things exactly what the plaintiff is saying. And so there is. 100%. Right. So the the seller, these sellers have said, you know what, we weren't. And you could probably interview a lot of sellers. They would say the same thing. We were really kind of never given the option to say that we should offer less commission. So we were actually forced to pay more because if you'd ask us, how much do you want to pay to the buyer's agent? We'd have said nothing (laughs) or we'd have said said nothing. Exactly. Right. Why should I? As the listing, I think two things. One, if I'm if I'm given the option, I would as a seller, I would be like, well, I don't want to pay them anything. Their person should pay them. That's what they One. would probably say, unless they understood how the marketplace worked. Right. Right. You by the marketplace, and then you, you then you would launch into that conversation. Yeah. The, the conversation is: Do you want every realtor in town trying to sell your house? Because if you want every realtor in town trying to sell your house, you have to offer them something. Well, can't they get money from a buyer? They could, but do you want every realtor in town fighting to sell? But realtors your are not allowed to show based on the commission. Correct. Well, that's part of the argument, is right? right. So that's why it's kind of been. If you went and checked the records, you'd see that probably nationwide commissions offered to buyers agents are fairly consistent. I would venture to speculate. Right. Yeah, right. I would and, venture right. to speculate that as well. 
Okay. So right, or at, at least within your marketplace, if I yeah. pull up a report of my entire town and look at every, every line item of cooperative compensation, you're going to get about 95% are, are X. And then you've got a couple of outliers, you know, yeah. here or there for, for yeah. various reasons. Yeah. yeah. And might some agents that are looking for properties for buyers, might they go into an MLS and say, this one's paying less, so I'm not going to show it. That's part they of the should argument. should not do that. They, but they should not right. do that, right? They and that's really that, unethical. No. But as the it's listing agent, right. if, I, if I'm if i like, okay, as a salesperson and I'm representing you and it's doing whatever, I say, okay, this is what I charge. I'm not then getting permission from you on how I allocate that charge. It's none of your, like, kind of none of your business. This is what I charge. Do you think that charge is fair? So like in this case, in your example, I charge 5%. If you think that's fair, then I'm going to do what I do to, and I'm not telling you like, do you want me to market it here? Do you want me to market it here? Do you want me to offer an incentive for these people or not? Like it's, we already agreed to the 5% or whatever it is. And now I get to do with it what I want. But I would bet you that oh. most agents actually disclose that there's a cooperative commission. Oh, yes. I mean, our listing agreements for yeah, as long, I mean, I've been doing this 18 years and, and they've changed over the years, but they have always required that matter of fact, disclose yeah, yeah. and you you show the split and how that's divided. It was out. in the listing yeah, but agreement, But I would argue right? why. Absolutely. I mean, because it's, it's clear, it... that's, that's transparency with your client, because here's the thing, you're working for them as their fiduciary. So you can only dictate what you what you charge as the listing agent. You can't. No, and, and but which if is the whole reason for this agent. No, but if I charge and part of part of what I charge is that I spend that some of that money, I pre-spend it on certain things like marketing on different platforms, photography, pictures, right, different doing things. whatever. Sure. But then on the back end, I offer incentives to certain people to also bring their clients because it's for the benefit of my seller. And even though sure. I have to share what we agreed that I would get paid, I'm not like getting their permission because I'm getting the outcome that they wanted. But I don't think right, that's the way it works, Jennifer. I, right, I think no. that, that Rachel's right. I kind of remember, and I, remember, I haven't sold real estate for other people in a long time, but I kind of remember that in the listing agreement itself, you would actually state how much you would give to the cooperating broker. You would say yeah, that. Right. Take you, had it out. you had to address it because it right. was in the listing agreement. I think agreement. we need to take for, it for, out. For 20, for 20, oh, hold on though. For, for 20 some odd years now, that's what it's been. This is X. This is the whole, the whole bun, the whole amount of commission. Yeah, but it makes and now no it's, sense. It's being, well, it does, but it's being split between here's what, here's what on the listing side. Here's what's going on in the buyer side. Now, last week, our board came out with a new listing agreement, which takes that very small compensation paragraph from four or five lines to three quarters of a page. So that now it is why it, it, cause it breaks down every last line item. Here's so, what is the what the listing remember, charge is. The, the Here's MLS, the buyer's charge. The MLS is an offer of compensation. That's sure. what it is, right? So somehow you have to guarantee. So that as a listing agent, right. when you go in, you want, and actually you could use it as a point of differentiation if you wanted to. You could say, I'm going to charge, let's make it, I'm going to charge you 7% commission. That's what I'm going to charge you because I'm going to do all these things, Jennifer, that you talked about. I'm going to, and I'm going to try to motivate every other realtor out there that has a fiduciary duty to their side. I'm going to try to motivate them to bring me offers. So I'm going to give them four out of the seven. You could do right. that. And that you would be, that. And, and you might list with 
need why do i need to get your permission to do that because you're charging them the, the, the that seller is paying that and they deserve to know where that money is coming or where, where that but money i don't is tell going. them how much i pay for pictures yeah but you don't but that's the point you you don't have to if this law goes through if this case is if the plaintiffs prevail in this case they're going to say the offer of compensation has kept commissions artificially high on the buyer's side therefore eliminate that and so if right. that's eliminated from the listing agreement and if it's eliminated from the mls then how would you get this is our question then if you have a, a stable of buyers you're not going to want to bring your buyer in and show them they might go around your back they might call that seller up after you leave them and say look mm -hmm. We're going to save some money here. Let's split the difference. We can do this agent that showed me the property. Let's cut them out of the deal. And that right. can happen. Right. And so if you could. That does happen. Not it can. It does. It, well, then that's what that's Rachel's specialty. That's procuring. That's what procuring cause <laughs> is all about. Right. That's right. What, we have this concept in real estate called procuring cause. That's a whole nother conversation. Right. In a long. Oh, yes. In a um, long one, right? That's not a short one at all. Yeah. So, so what we're talking about is currently you. It's a it's a no brainer. You can be brain dead, and you can be feel pretty good that you're going to get a commission if you've got a real estate license and you're a member of an MLS and you find a buyer and you bring them in and the deal is consummated and it closes. You're going to get paid. You didn't need to have right. a written agreement at all. What if that? There's no is guarantee not anymore. Then Rachel, right, what, what, my dream will come true, and everybody, all agents representing buyers, would have a written agreement for their fee and their charge yes, to represent a buyer. Yes, they so, would. And that's the best in this litigation. That's the best course of action, right? Right. You should. So the use argument buyer is contracts. that some people will say to you what you had said before. Some people will go then. They may go to the seller directly, but they already kind of sometimes do that. Well, so there are issues that are going to come out of this. If, in fact, the plaintiff prevails the, and if sellers say, well, good, I don't want to pay any commission to the other side. And then if buyers don't realize the value that an agent can bring that represents right. them, then you're going to have only sellers represented in a real estate transaction. Yeah, and that's going to end very quickly. We already know what happens, right? I mean, you had said, like, this is how it was before, before all right. agents represented sellers. Yes, right. all We're going to be back to the early 90s again. We've yeah, changed. Early, yeah, so early 90s, the MLS was a unilateral offer of sub-agency. Right. Right. And because of agency disclosure laws and the dilemma that that put agents in, where they were representing the seller because they were members of the MLS and yet they were disclosing they represented buyers. That's an undisclosed dual agency. Mm -hmm. right. And disgorgement yeah. of commission is a penalty for that. People were really put at risk. So the law was the rules in the MLS were changed and the MLS changed from a unilateral offer of sub-agency to an offer of compensation to benefit consumers. So consumers right. could be represented. And now what's being challenged is that clause in the MLS rules. And if that goes away, you might. So what's your best course of action to mitigate liability if you're practicing real estate today? And the answer is get a buyer a broker agreement, not an agency disclosure, but a buyer broker an agreement. agreement. Could right? it be right. possible that if 
this offer of compensation goes away, then so does the MLS. Well, I don't know. You st MLS still provides a very valuable service. It creates right. an inventory, a, the cleanest inventory of property available because of the rules that are set up in it. So, no, there's a huge value to what MLS right. brings to the table. And I used to do a program where I said there were three stool, three legs to the stool of MLS. And I haven't done that in a while, so I don't remember the other two. But the, the primary one was it was an offer of compensation, right? Now, if that if went away, not, there's... Well, if that went away, it, it ends up going back to being a marketing tool. And then, you know, perhaps we end up, we, right, we end up as agents, as listing agents, having to pay to put our listings in there, which is how it was, you know, again, prior to the, or to the early 90s. That's it. used to be a little, now, I believe that the MLSs of the future, that data about what's for sale, when it's for sale, how long it's on the market, all that information can be sold to the capital markets where the entities that buy loans can have more transparency as to the risk of the loan without any detriment to the real estate practitioners. And there's enough money there to fund MLS. That's another conversation. That's a right. whole nother exactly. conversation. That's a conversation right. about greed. What no, no, not about yeah. greed. That's a conversation about utilizing what I call exhaust data, utilizing yeah. the data to fund this apparatus that creates a marketplace. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I'm just saying, will the pay. MLS, will the MLS, I agree, but I'm saying, will the people that run the MLSs consider that, would they then say, oh, okay, this is enough money coming in that then it can be free for the user, the MLS, the realtors, or are they going to say, oh, great, now we're making more money? No, that's the, the, the story that I'm taking to the industry is, that's not it at all. The way the internet works is, for the most part, if you have a content provider, they a whole yeah. career now called content providers, right? Oh, right. If you're a content provider, you get paid. You don't pay people to be a content provider. You get yeah. paid if you're a content yes. provider. This is we common sense. We should be sense. paid, not pay for it. And so MLS is no different. We just have to socialize this concept and idea to the world, and we're going to do that, right? Let's do it. I like it. So if then the MLS became more of a marketing tool, do you think that we would see more, I feel like we would see more properties because like big, what am I trying to say here? Like places with a lot of agents may sell a lot of off, more off market stuff because maybe there's some type of an agreement where it's a variable rate if you work inside of our commission, inside of our brokerage versus outside. So what's your question? Are there going to be more listings? Do you or think less? we'll see more of that? Or more um, off MLS, that concept? Because Okay, here, let me give you an example. So I'm a buyer's agent and we have a, we're going to sign an agreement that it's like, okay, here's, here's what we charge. Maybe there's a variable rate inside of that. Unless we, um, unless there's a property that's inside of my brokerage, then the rate is less. Well, it could be. Now we're talking about a menu of services. Yeah. Right. right. Do you think and we'll that, see that? I mean, that seems like that would happen. That makes sense. Here's the issue with that for me is that there's such a low barrier to entry to becoming a salesperson in real oh, estate. Oh, no kidding. And because of that, to have uh, uh, complex compensation structures just didn't in the cards, at least currently. Right. Well, because I mean, look at look at the look at what we have right now and the number of agents and the percentage of agents that are currently working that actually understand it. Yeah, but I'm going to go with there's probably 70% that, that don't. 
Oh, right. Or more. But is it now? Right. I'm being nice. Is it now (laughs) your contract more complicated on the compensation? It is not. No, I I would agree that it's far, it's far less complicated. It takes up more physical space on a form, but it's, here is the listing cost. Here's what I charge as a listing agent. What do you want to pay to the buyer's agent to bring in that buyer? What do you want to pay if that buyer calls me directly and chooses to be unrepresented? What do you want to pay if it's a dual agent where I'm representing both if I choose to do that as, a, as an agent, if I choose to act as a dual agent? It's not, un, it's not unclear and it's not, it's not goofy. It's not difficult to understand. I would argue it's the complete opposite. The whole reason this was done was for transparency to the consumer. The only thing I'm wondering at this point is now that that's out, there are, of course, brokerages that have their own legal counsel, their own corporate, you know, or their own version of a listing agreement that isn't going to follow that same standard. It's going to be completely different than what the, the board listing agreement is, which is following suit from all of these different lawsuits that are happening and trying to stay relevant with, with what's going on. So, Saul, what is your thought on whether or not a, a company that uses their own version of a listing agreement, which is a completely different conversation around compensation? compared to one that has broken it down like ours has. Well, I that's going to be, if you, if you got, if you're a seller and you've got two agents coming in for a listing appointment and I'm going over our listing agreement and spelling that out very clearly, giving them the option to pay the buyer compensation. How much do you want it to be? What if it's an unrepresented buyer? And then you have another agent coming in using their own agreement that just says, Hey, we charge you X and you got no say in anything else. That seller is going to be a little confused. Yeah, I think your your um, attorneys are going to be real happy in that case, right? And because uh-huh. that's what will happen. So let's go back to agency disclosure. The purpose really behind agents and the thought behind agency disclosure was if you disclose to a consumer the types of representation that are available to them, that negotiation will begin. That's what will start that whole conversation. So rather than having rules that said, you must have a contract with the buyer, just like you have, rather than mandated by the state, what the state, in this case, California spread across the country, other states try to to dilute the whole thing and created broker-only rules or facilitator rules, right? Certain states, they tried to just supersede and get around this whole concept. But the idea- behind agency disclosure was just that. It was, look, consumer, you need to know these are the ways you can be represented in a real estate transaction. You can be represented exclusively as a seller agent. You can be represented exclusively uh, by a buyer's agent, or you can be represented, one can represent both sides, dual agency. Which do you choose? The the likely follow-on question would be, how much do I pay for each one? It never got to that. It never evolved because the realtors never learned enough about the purpose of agency disclosure. It became another piece of paper that had to get signed. They did it at the last minute as an afterthought. Again, I haven't practiced real estate in years. I could tell you the way it was when I was teaching. Oh, and it's no different now. It's it's no different now. I mean, I'm I'm filling out files for an agent. Right, no, no. You, you're always big, going back as, as a broker going, hey, you're missing the buyer agency disclosure. Yeah. You've got, you might have something in this file that says you represented the buyer. Where is it? Oh, I never got it. Well, go get it. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, 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 don't you think that, so, so to that to that earlier question, though, do you think that's going to be confusing for a seller as we're going through this transition 
for a seller to have one conversation with one agent and an entirely different conversation with another agent around compensation when they're interviewing agents for, to sell their home. I do. I absolutely. Yeah. Now, there is no substitute for your own due diligence. And, yeah, people are, and people are telling me how smart consumers are. Have you ever heard that? Hey, we got yeah. these consumers. Are, well, you know what? You ought to be smart about the biggest transaction of your life. And so you're right, Rachel, it will be confusing, but that's not an excuse to me for no, a seller not no. understanding. They better learn and they better learn quick, but then that brings the attorneys into our world, right? Right. Well, and here's what I'm experiencing so far is when I, and I've had this conversation as if this new listing agreement we have now has been in place for a long time. I've always had that conversation in that way. Now it's just on paper. So when I'm in, when I'm meeting with sellers and I'm going through this, they're looking at me like I have three heads because they're like, yeah. well, no one's ever told us this before. So does a consumer then who is interviewing, say, five agents, if we want to be super broad, and I'm the only one that has that conversation with them about how that compensation breaks down as we're discussing it here. And four others say, well, no, that's not how it works. We just do this. Do I then look like the one who doesn't know what they're talking about? And I'm just blowing smoke no. because I'm one out of five. No, so I believe you look like you differentiate yourself. And so I'm, I used to be all, think so. all in favor of make the comp, make the contract more complex. Agents would complain. Oh no, the contract's two pages. Oh no, the contract's four <laughs> pages. I would say, that's great. Because one of the ways you build trust and confidence in a real estate relationship is you demonstrate expertise to people. And one of the ways Absolutely. to do that is by going through the contract. It used to drive me crazy that one of the things I would do to a buyer is I would give them a blank contract before we even went out and looked at property. And I'd say, read right. this contract over. I want you to ask me any questions. I know other agents don't do this, but this mm -hmm. is important. This is the biggest purchase of your life. You should be, you should learn about it. I'm here to help you. I'm here to consult. Right. Let's go through, through this contract. Oh, again, other agents haven't told you. There's something that other agents, matter of fact, next time, if you enter, if you happen to interview another agent, ask them about this. Right. If you happen to interview another, ask them about liquidated damage provisions. Ask them about right. arbitration clauses, right? Right. Because I remember right. agents would skip over those things because they couldn't understand them themselves. Right. right. So, so how can they explain those, that to a consumer? Well, they never read yeah. it anyway. Yeah. So that's why they. So, so if we were going to wrap a messy bow on this, what if there was no. Very messy bow. Very messy. What and dirty. What if there were no guaranteed compensation? to the buyer's agent, final thought. Begin, if you're not already using them, begin to use buy, what we refer to as a buyer broker agreement. We used to call them exclusive authorization to locate property forms. I love yep. that. Exclusive no, authorization. It's down and dirty. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just call it what it is and something yep. that the consumer can understand. And that's going to protect yeah. you in the future. And it might, it'll also protect you maybe against what things that might, happen, fallout that might come from the Moeller case, Moeller Barnett, Burnett, that was the kind of it's class there, action yeah. certification now, and um, a couple of other lawsuits that are out there. So yeah. start using buyer broker agreements. If you don't understand them, learn about them. Yeah, right. Ask your broker. And if your broker doesn't understand, ask us. Maybe you want to consider Maybe you want to consider a broker who does. I mean, I'm or just going to put it out greatest, there. One of your greatest assets is the Association of Realtors in which you're a member, probably. Absolutely. So, go to your board. Go to go to your continuing ed. You know, don't take your CE online either. Take it through your board where it's specific to your marketplace where you have really great quality. We're going to fight about that. Saul doesn't even like CE. 
No, I, I'm not I saying say I love CE, but there's different. Make more money. different. Well, well, t t take a, if you've got an option between online CE where you hit the next button while you're in the shower right. versus a CE class, if you've got to do it, a CE class with, with someone through your board who is specific to your market, who can speak to what's going on in your market and how that changes things. Why would you, if you've got to do it, why wouldn't you take the one that's going to benefit well, and you? And I would say, even if there's no CE credit, but it's going to teach you how to use buyer broker contracts, it's, take the course. My gosh, why aren't you there now? going to teach you how to sell. But if you do an example of a buyer, if you do want an example of a buyer agreement, text buyer agreement to 513-400-1691. And I'll get that for you. Rachel, if people have a referral for you in Chicago, or they have a question for you, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Best way to reach me is by cell phone, call or text at 630-542-8688 or via email at rreal at dealwithreal.com. Awesome. And it's all, if people want to get a hold of you or they want to stay up on some of these issues, can they get a hold of you? How can they stay up on the issues? Saul at bettercallsaul.realtor. .realtor. Saul at bettercallsaul.realtor. We have a Facebook group, Real Talk. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and the Data Advocate is going to be resurfaced here real soon. So the dataadvocate.com. And we'll be talking about all these things because they're all current. It's funny. They've always been current and they yeah, will be. They've always been current. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being yeah. on, guys. Good Thank to see you. you guys. Thanks, all. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Fight Club podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get updates when new episodes are available. And we truly love feedback and would appreciate all likes, reviews, and suggestions for future topics.